0: so if you're like me you woke up this morning to an arctic tundra here in the state of florida and here's what i don't understand about the weather in this state specifically when this happens by the way it's a little early for me not sure if it is for you but I don't understand how when I took the dog out at 5.30, it got colder by the time I came to DHC. And it's at its current coldest temperature that it will be all day with the sun shining it just after 10.30 in the morning. I don't know if it's something you ponder, but I've pondered here recently. So welcome to the Arctic Tundra with me. We will brave this uh, terrible crisis together here in South Florida, but thanks for being here today. I am thrilled to be wrapping up this series that we're calling Read Between the Lines. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been taking a look at some of the most famous stories that Jesus used during his ministry as he talked to people, taught people as he walked on this earth. And as I start this message, I just think it's really important always for us to stand back and understand who we're talking about in the context of Jesus and who we're talking about when we say the name Jesus, the person who kind of was the author of, the teller of, the teacher of these stories. And we here at Downtown Harbor Church just believe a couple of things about Jesus. We just believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus long ago was this prophesized Messiah that would make the world right should they choose to believe in him with the Father God, that Jesus is and was the Messiah who walked the earth. Furthermore, we believe that Jesus, when he walked the earth, not only had a ministry where he taught and instructed people, but that he actually said while he was here that he was going to go and die and rise again, proving that he was the Messiah, proving that he was this savior to a broken world, that Jesus not only is the Messiah, but is the risen savior to a broken world. And in this series that we've been uh, in for the last number of weeks called Read Between the Lines, what we've been doing as we've been taking a look at some of the stories that Jesus taught because one of the things that Jesus did during his time on earth was Jesus taught in story. He used uh, stories that were called parables as he walked around earth to teach a point or a message or a lesson. And it's important for us to know at Downtown Harbor Church that the stories that Jesus used, even though were very true in nature, meaning there was truth inside of them, for our lives, that the stories that Jesus used were actually fiction. And it's important for us to understand that the stories that he used were not historical or they didn't actually happen. So they were fiction. And he was clear about this as he taught in parable. And so a lot of times Christians will get confused about this. They actually think that the story of the prodigal son or the good Samaritan, or even the one we're gonna talk about today actually happened, but they did not. They were fiction. Even though they were fiction, however, the level of truth inside this story was so, so massive and so, so true. And today, we're actually going to talk about a parable that deals with this idea that some of you are probably going to deal with. By the way, I did have some conversations between first and second service. and first service, we had a ton of folks in this room. It was a really cool time. But I will tell you this, is that one of the things that people came and they said to me after first service was how much this message just really smacked them right between the eyes and how much it meant to them based on where they were in their life. Because today what we're going to talk about related to the parable we're going to read is this idea of frustration with prayer. This idea that when we would pray something or when we would ask God for something, and sometimes they're big things, oftentimes they're little things, and, and so, so often we would, we would do this and we would just commune with God, and that would be interesting, and, and how would we do that? Meaning that we would think about this idea of prayer, which by the way, for new Christians or either people who are newly engaged to church uh, is, is almost this really complicated thing, which is so simple, and we'll talk about this today. But it's this idea that we would be frustrated when almost we would lay our requests at the feet of God and we wouldn't get what we wanted, or maybe it wouldn't be in the timing that we would want it. Almost as if we would begin to pray, we would begin to commune with God, to communicate with God, and yet nothing in response, almost radio silence. And so we've all been there with prayer, right? We've all been there when we talk to God or lay our requests at his feet or communicate with him and then nothing, it's frustrating, it's disappointing. We all have these moments. But unfortunately, the truth is, is that these moments are inevitable. In fact, Jesus actually tells us to expect this to happen and he uses things like I'm gonna talk about today in the parable and we're gonna talk about this and it's almost like, nope, no problem, nothing to worry about and that radio silence is actually normal in terms of our prayer life. But we as human beings sometimes don't like that, do we? In fact, we as human beings, specifically in 2021, we live in a culture which is a culture on demand. (laughs) right now, we want things when we want it and we want it right now. Again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I tell you all of this because this parable that we're gonna talk about today is so interesting. And maybe you're new around here and you don't have any uh, kind of context for who I am and what I do. I don't even know if I introduced myself. I'm Adam. I'm the volunteer coordinator here at DHC. I get a chance to speak sometimes. But one of the things that I did before I started doing this at DHC was I worked with kids for about 15 years. It was a kids director at churches. My degree was in education. And I taught parables for a long time with kids. Good Samaritan check, prodigal son check, vineyard workers checks. I taught, I've taught those a lot. This parable that we're actually going to talk about today is one that I was studying, of course, to prepare for the message this week, but I've never had an opportunity to teach on it until today. And this parable is actually a lesser-known parable. It's the parable of the friend at night, Um, the parable of the friend at night. Now, I want to tell you... A couple of things about this parable that I want to understand. I want to give you some context, again, to clear up any confusion about what you might think about it, specifically if you're sitting there and thinking that this is a real story. This is not. This is fiction. This is a story that Jesus taught about prayer. Prayer was interconnected in it. But I want to talk to you about what we're going to encounter in the parable, because the first thing we're going to encounter in the parable is hyperbole. And hyperbole, if you're not familiar with it, is kind of this idea of grand exaggerations. Let's, let's define it. Exaggerated statements or claims that may, be, may not be taken literally. So there's some exagger- exaggerated statements or claims that may not be taken literally. I was hungry enough to eat a horse, right? That's something that generally people may have s- said, but they don't take it literally. Jesus, in fact, used hyperbole even in some of his teaching because what hyperbole did is it woke people up. Hey, let me get your attention. Stick with me. This is how he taught. This was important for him to use these exaggerated statements so that people would engage with him. In fact, in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 3, he used one. Here's what it says. Why do you notice the little piece of dust in your friend's eye, but you don't notice the big piece of wood in your own eye? Now this completely slayed the audience, right? They're rolling in the aisles. They love this. This is hyperbole. They would have engaged with it. And so today you're going to see a hyperbole and it's meant to get our attention, but that's not the only thing that you're going to see today. You're actually going to see another method of teaching that Jesus used called the contrast method. And what he was doing when he did this was he was drawing a contrast between two things from lesser to greater. And Jesus famously used the contrast method consistently when he taught about worry. In fact, here's what he said in the, back, up in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 26, about worry. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You're dealing with the contrast method. Jesus is making a contrast or a comparison. So before we dive into this story, I just want you to know and remember that this story is a fake story. It is fiction. It contains hyperbole, these grand exaggerations to make us laugh, and it contains the contrast method comparing lesser to greater. And there's a a lot of moving parts in this story and can confuse modern day Christians. So That's why I want to make uh, these points before we dive in. Furthermore, before I get involved in this story, I just want you to know that this parable was told right after Jesus was talking to people about and teaching them on the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus was teaching on the Lord's Prayer, which is really important. You've probably heard the Lord's Prayer, even if you're new to the local church or haven't been around the local church, that that Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That is what he was teaching on right before this next scripture. So if you have a Bible and you want to open it, you're welcome to do that. We will be in the book of Luke chapter 11. If you don't, no worry. And you do want to follow along, you can do so on any mobile device or it will be, as always, at DHC on our screens. The book of Luke chapter 11, verse 5, it begins our parable of the friend in the night. So what it says. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. And I think it's important for us to understand he was already teaching about prayer and then jumps right into this. He says, goes on, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. I don't know about you, but it's been a while since I knocked on a neighbor's door at midnight looking for three loaves of bread. So I don't know if you can relate to, I mean, generally in Fort Lauderdale, you're looking for a bottle of wine to continue the party at midnight. That's how. That's where I've been. You've probably been there. But you know, it's. I've been looking for three loaves of bread, but no harm, no foul. This is what this guy's looking for. Okay. Here's what you, the scripture goes on. Then you say to him, "A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat." Wow. Old college buddy showed up. He landed at FLL, got delayed in Atlanta. Sure enough, I picked him up and I got nothing to eat. So let me pop over to my neighbor's house at midnight and ask him for a couple of loaves of bread. You walk over and knock on the guy's door. Now, I don't know, when's the last time your door's been knocked on at midnight, right? Right. This is 2021. The ring doorbell's going off. You're looking, for thi- like you're looking for a baseball bat under the bed. If someone knocked on your door at midnight, like you're not going to take too kindly to this. But this is a couple thousand years ago, and it's fake anyway. So here we go, okay? The guy says next, which I think is really important. So I have nothing for him to eat. So the neighbor kind of opens the door, and this is what he said. Don't bother me. I'm not sure if you know this, but this is actually the life verse of our lead pastor, John Garippa. Like, if you know anything about John, like, so a lot of people have like, you know, John 3, 16, Matthew eleven seven, 7, like, like on their wall. Like in John's house, like above the kitchen is Luke eleven 17, don't bother me. And he, he's working on that and he knows that that is a thing. And he, you know, tells me about it, you know, I just really wish this wasn't me, but he's from New Jersey and there's something up there. That didn't happen, you know, in Michigan where I grew up. Because like in Michigan, like if you lived like just on my street, you were my friend, right? And John's like, who are you people? Okay. So anyway, so but I just want to tell you something. So I have a new goal in life, and that is to bother John Garippa, which I think is I've just been so here's I want to put an image on the screen real quick. I asked John for this. Okay. This is John's call log from the other day. And so it was Adam, Adam, Mom, of course, and then Adam, Adam, and I, he, so I've been calling him, and he pick up the phone, and I go, hello, if you ever talk to John, that's how he picks up the phone, and I'll go, hey, and he'll go, yes, and I'll go, just checking in, just seeing how things are going, and he's going, well, they're fine, um, is, is there anything I can help you with? No, just checking in, and I'm now purposely doing it to just bother him, because I don't. See, I mean, listen, I'm a guy who likes to chat. I like to, on the car, on the way in. How you doing, John? Good to see you. And it is his worst nightmare. So I'm just enjoying this stage of my life. And so anyway, if you see John, ask him next time to maybe see the call log for how many times I've looked him up recently because I love to do it just to see his reaction these days. It really brings joy to my heart, joy in the Lord. Moving on in the parable, it goes on. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. Now, okay, so you have to remember is that houses in ancient Israel when Jesus would have been telling this story are not like they are in Fort Lauderdale or any part of the United States today. They would have been very, uh, close quarters, the family would have been settled for the night. This is not like a big mansion that we'd see off Las Olas Boulevard today where people have their own quarters. This would be a place where you've gotten the family down. So somebody knocks on the door, potentially wakes the family up. By the way, if you have had babies in your house or maybe you're raising kids right now or you maybe you want to raise a kid, Let me tell you one thing from now, about 22 months of experience that you don't want is someone to knock on the door at midnight and for the dog to bark. Because if that child wakes up, your whole next day is ruined. Like it's in the toilet, it's done. So you know this if you've had kids. So this is bad, right? I don't want the family to wake up, get out of here. We're all in bed, I can't help you. Hit the bricks, similar to what John tells me on the phone when I call to bother him. Why are you talking to me? I don't want to talk to you. Move on, I'll move on, okay? Goes on. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep locking long, long enough, I keep calling, right, okay? Keep lock knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your what? Shameless persistence. That's the story. That's it. Um, Jesus what, what are you saying? Let me, let me think about this for a second. What, what are you saying with this story? Are you saying that, like, we're the annoying neighbor going after God, the grumpy person? Like, what are you saying? And I can imagine the writer, the author of this book, Luke, going, you want me to put this in this book in the Bible? Are you sure? Remember, hyperbole, contrast method, hard to spot. What Jesus is actually teaching us in this story is so interesting and so true. And I think so key for all of us as we look at our prayer life specifically and how we pray and talk with God. And I think this is so important for us to understand. Here's what I want us to understand. Unlike man, God is not bothered by your persistence. Unlike man, God is not bothered by you. God is big and massive, this ever-present creator of the universe. God is not bothered when we pray and we pray and we pray. In fact, he's honored. He's honored when we bring our requests to him, our thoughts to him, our desires to him. Did you know that you can pray about anything? It doesn't have to be a request or something big. You can just talk with God about anything you want, maybe about your day, about how it's going, maybe about your family, maybe about maybe something you want, maybe about something that bothers you. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I do know this, prayer is not as complicated as we've made it to be. Prayer is so simple. And yet, just like the Christian church likes to do, we make it oh so complicated. But Jesus basically begins teaching his disciples about prayer by saying, hey, hey boys, listen, let me give you a little advice about prayer. Don't quit praying, right? Don't quit praying, ever. Never give up on prayer, even if it doesn't go your way in the time that you want it to happen, because your persistent prayer, don't miss this, this is so key, and this is biblical, this is scriptural, this is confirmed in the parable. Because the persistent prayer has the potential to move the heart of God. Wait a second. I thought, Adam, you said that like maybe previously, like God is all knowing and, and, and you know, all seeing and he and he knows all this already. So how is my prayer going to move his heart? Great question, and that's a good point. And there's a lot of grayness in this, and there's a lot of debate, but there's a lot of interesting dialogue that we can have about the massiveness of God and the creator of the, him being the creator of the universe and ceasing without, praying without ceasing and tugging on his heartstrings over and over again because he wants to hear from us. In fact, the scripture goes on, and this is what Jesus says. So I say to you, Luke 11, 9, and it will be given to ask, and it will be given to you seek and you will find it knock and the door will be opened to you ask seek knock ask seek knock your marriage on the rocks boyfriend girlfriend relationship not going so well I prayed on Sunday. In fact, that guy in the, the, the church, he told me to pray, and he said I could do it all the time, and it would get better. Monday, though, nothing. Why not? Let's look at this in a different translation. That's what it says. So I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. But what about all of us have been asking, and we didn't get what we asked for yet? goes on, keep on seeking. And you will find, keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Jesus is saying your heavenly father wants you to ask and seek and knock and seek and knock and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock over and over again. It's not because your heavenly father wants you to beg. Don't misunderstand this. It is because he wants a consistent relationship and a consistent dialogue with his children, with his people that he created. And because after that relationship exists, that consistent dialogue and prayer, I just believe, backed up by scripture from Jesus here when he walked the earth, that God is moved by consistent, persistent prayer. I believe that. I just believe that God is moved by consistent, persistent prayer. You meet people who are big prayers, right, in life. And man, they'll tell you, man, God, I've been praying. I've been praying for years and God is moved by consistent prayer. That's why I pray. You've heard these stories before. Of people been praying for something for months. Months. Seemingly no response. But then a door has been opened. You've heard stories before. People have been praying for years. Man, I've been praying for this for a long time. I know a family. We're praying to conceive a baby for 10 years. 10 years. Nothing. Tried everything. All of a sudden, boom. It happened. You know what they said? We never stopped praying. People all throughout the scripture, years and years and years, they never stopped praying. And so, if this is true, and if the scripture is true, delayed responses are not unusual. But here's the question. Why the delay, right? God, why, why if I want something and maybe my spouse wants something or my job wants something or my family wants something, why not give it to me now? You know, we are in the consumer culturism, like uh, c- culture consumerism, I don't even know, sometimes I transpose words when I talk, of our time. Like I, w- okay, you ever, like, I, I Uber Eats quite a bit, right, I, do you Uber Eats? Well, like I Uber Eats a decent amount, and my wife told me recently that you could actually, for a buck eighty nine, you could be the only food in the car like a priority delivery. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's that's unbelievable because why? I don't have to leave the house. And I understand COVID got us a little uh, messed up in a lot of ways. Like the Uber Eats driver can no longer come up my elevator at my building. They have to leave it in the lobby. Now chalk that up to the one-way aisles at Publix in terms of things I don't understand based on the pandemic, but we'll leave it at that. Okay. So but 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 Uber Eats still a good thing, right? To the point where, man, when I'm Uber Eatsing, if I don't get my chicken quesadilla in 18 minutes, I'm hot, right? Going, man, I'm calling Whole Enchilada. Where is this person, right? They disappeared off the app. Like I don't know what happened. Did they drop it? Like is something do we need to call an ambulance? Like what happened? Where's my food? We want things quick. If you're like me, you want them now. I I just I love Amazon Prime. Like, every day is Christmas. Like, look at my face because of this. That's a real smile. Like, I love to get the stinking mail. My wife makes fun of me for this. She's like, where are you going? Desk, I'm going to the desk. Why, I got packages. And I walk up like, you know, and I'm, I love it. I love, oh, I don't care what it is. It doesn't even have to be for me. I just love doing it. And you know how quick they come? Like, i order stuff the same day. I don't even order Amazon Prime now, and it's there. And I'm going, wow, what a world. No wonder we don't want to wait for prayers to be answered. Because Amazon and company, right here, right now. Uber Eats, right here, right now. Social media, boom. Prayer, right? So why doesn't God just answer immediately? Everybody else does. What's his problem? I don't, why doesn't he? Well, I don't know but there's a reason and maybe the reason falls into the idea that we're not ready, even though we think we're ready. Maybe we gotta learn something, even though we don't think we gotta learn something. That makes him the all knowing ever present being in the universe that knows all things and not you and not me. Because we got to remember, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount when he was teaching about prayer, your father, Matthew 6, 8, here's what it says. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So if he's well aware of our situations and he knows what we need, maybe even more than we know what we need, why the wait? Furthermore, if he already knows what I need, why pray at all? If he gets this in advance already, why would I even take my time to commune with him or pray about something? If he already knows it, why would I give my time to do that? I just believe that God, in terms of the relationship with us, allows us to pray and ask for things over and over and over and over and over again because it creates repetition. And repetition, if you know anything about working with kids, is something that they need to learn. What a concept that adults might need repetition as well to learn. Repetition leads to comfort. Repetition over the course of time leads to comfort. Yes, I'm comfortable asking God for this. I've been asking for a long time, and I'm comfortable. In fact, comfort after that leads to confidence. When you're comfortable with something, you're confident. And you go, okay, God, I I have this relationship with you and I'm confident now. See what's happening here? There's a reason prayer is the way that it is because it strengthens the relationship in terms of repetition leading to comfort, comfort leading to confidence. And then all of a sudden our relationship changes and it gets better much like it would with a human being. But it's with God the Father. The book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12 says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can boldly and confidently, we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. We can go into his presence and ask for something. But it doesn't mean that we're going to get the answer right away or it may not even mean that we're going to give the answer, get the answer that we want. So I ask again, so we can understand it. Why the delay? Why the delay? This is where the complexity of it comes in. God, I don't understand. God, help me. Why the delay? What does this mean? How do I dissect this? First and foremost, he's training us. You want to talk about the delay? He's training us. Maybe you're not ready to receive whatever you're asking for, but I am ready. Maybe you're not. Maybe I am ready to start this company and to do this thing. I know that I'm ready. I've been asking him for it. I'm ready in my heart. I've gone through the training. I paid somebody a lot of money for online consulting during COVID to do this. Maybe God goes, well, that's great. You're not ready. Maybe he's training you. Maybe he's getting your heart into something, uh, into, into shape for something that it needs to be in shape for. Furthermore, not only is he training us, he's allowing us to enter a season of persistence. He's allowing us to enter a season of persistence where we are persistent in prayer because you know what persistence does? Persistence enhances the relationship with God. That's what it does. When you're persistent about something, you and God get to know each other better and that's a good thing based on your needs and your heart and your desires, all those things. It leads to this idea of constant contact. Simply, simply, you ready? God wants to hear from his children. That's it. Just like you want to hear from your kids too. He wants to hear from his children. Just like you want to hear from yours. And the one way to necessarily do that is over the course of time in repetitious prayer so that we can be trained to have dialogue with him. This is exactly why Jesus taught that parable about the guy going over to bother his buddy in the middle of the night. If you go over often enough, he'll probably give you the bread. If you keep going to God years and years and years and years, if that's how long it takes, what might happen in your life? Paul says in the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul, one of the most famous Christians to ever live who wrote over half the New Testament, says this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray continually and give thanks, whatever happens, without ceasing. Don't stop. I don't know what you're praying for. I don't know what you're praying for. Maybe you're in this room and you're in a big life thing right now. Let's just take a couple of examples. Maybe it's business. Maybe there's some people in here ready to make some deals or maybe to end some deals. I don't know what that is for you, but you got to pray about it a lot. God will guide you and lead you because maybe it's not the right time to get out of a deal. Maybe it's not the right time to make a deal, even though you think it is. But He knows better than we do. What does that look like for you? Maybe you're in a relationship. Maybe you're thinking about potentially getting married or maybe you're married and you're thinking about getting divorced. I don't know, but you got some big decisions to make. Is this person for me? Is this the person I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with? Is this what I'm gonna do with my life? Or is this, am I gonna get out of this relationship? What happens to my life then? Because maybe what you want isn't exactly what God thinks you should do. Pray without ceasing. Maybe it's a family thing for you. Maybe you're trying to have kids. Maybe you're not going to try to have kids. Maybe your kids are trying to have kids. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you're talking about getting a dog. That's important to me in my house. Like I would, I, I, that would be a prayer thing for our families because that's how much we love the dog, right? But here, I, I don't know what this is for you, but you do. You got to pray about it without ceasing. Basically, you know what Paul is saying here? Live a life of prayer. Live a life of prayer. That's not something complicated. I get to meet with people all the time who are either new Christians or new to the church, DHC, and you want to know the number one thing that people tell me that they're intimidated about by Christianity? It's praying out loud. Number one. Not coming to church, not volunteering. I have volunteers in our circle and I'll ask people to be in charge sometimes. Like if I'm out of town, we are like, yeah, but please don't ask me to pray. And I get it. It is complicated because we've made it complicated, but it isn't. It's just saying what you would normally say to God potentially out loud, That's it. And here's the cool thing. What you can say to God can be casual and consistent and just laying your request at his feet and expressing thanksgiving. That's it. And I think we've overcomplicated prayer. And Jesus said, just just go ask. And, And if you don't get the answer you want right away, keep asking. If you don't get the answer you want, ask again. Because if you keep getting the answer that's no, maybe it wasn't supposed to be that way for your life. And I just believe that this is so important because maybe, right, maybe, just maybe, what we find out through prayer, what we find out through communing and dialoguing with God in our own heart based on this relationship, based on our request, is maybe, just maybe, we find out you are the one who needs to change. Maybe he says, uh-uh. I'm not giving that to you because you know you got something to clean up before you get this. Ever been there? God's not going to bless you with this yet because you know you got some shady business going on. You know you got something you shouldn't be involved in. I don't know what that is for you, but you might sitting in this room. Or maybe you're, maybe you're praying for the wrong thing. Maybe, you, maybe you've wanted something so badly. This is what I want. Gosh, I want to be married. Oh, I just really want to be married so bad. Why, I have no idea. That is a joke. That's way off, right? God bless my wife who was in here first service. And anyway, so, but there are people who are just, you know, I'm, I'm getting some laughs today at the old downtown Harbor Church. I appreciate that, right? But there is like, there are things that you want. And then you go, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. This might not be right for me. Maybe God's leading me in a different direction. I don't know what that is for you. Here's what I know. Bottom line, here's what I know. If you are persistent in prayer, you may not get what you want. It may not be how you want it to be. If you are persistent in prayer, God will do something in your life. Bottom line. If you are persistent in prayer, God will do something in your life. So I'm going to do this next and allow the team to kind of get ready to come back up here in just a second, but I want to do something. I want to tell a story and I'm going to close. So uh, let me put the word practical up on the screen because I want to put it up here before we do this next thing and talk about it. But everywhere, every week at downtown Harbor church, we put this word on the screen, meaning we just sit back and ask the question, okay, what can I do with what I heard? But I want to tell you a quick story first. And it's a, It's a powerful one, so buckle up. Maybe people watching online, people listening, here's what's important for you to know. So when I got married, um, I didn't want children, and uh, maybe because I worked with kids for so long. You heard me talk about that in the beginning of the message. Maybe that's why I didn't want them. But I didn't want kids. Um, in fact, Caitlin, when she married me, she knew that I didn't necessarily want kids. and We had walked through that journey together and what that was like. And, and I knew that she did. And we had talked about that. I mean, you want to talk about a sticking point in a marriage. Wow, this is really hard. And so for the first probably eight years in our marriage, I was pretty closed off to the idea. Not because uh, I was stubborn or I, I just, I liked my life the way that it was. I had a great wife and an amazingly cute dog who is way cuter than yours. (laughs) That's a joke, again as well. But I did, and and I could go wherever I wanted. I was traveling all over the country, I was doing my thing. And I said, I don't know that I ever want this. But Caitlin just prayed. And she prayed consistently for years. And her prayer wasn't change his heart. Her prayer was, God, if this is your will, let it be done. And about eight years into our marriage, I sat in a room with a few thousand other people at a conference I was at in Atlanta to where there was a guy who I respected greatly, had a chance to tell his story about his mom. His mom was in her late 80s and she was dying. She was actually in the front row. And he told the story about how his mom didn't know her birth parents, but she was adopted by a mom and a dad. And then when she was about seven or eight years old, those adopted parents actually both committed suicide. There she was again with no home. And her school teacher took her in to her house and adopted her as her own daughter. And what he said was in that moment that he was standing on this massive stage. He had, had, he had been influential, he had built an organization. And what he said in that moment was that he would not be here today had someone not reached out and put their arms around his mom and adopted her. And in that moment, I actually knew, and I didn't hear a voice and I didn't hear anything specific that was said to me, but it was God's presence, I know it. And he said to me, he goes, You will adopt and you will bring a child into your house. At least one. We haven't gotten to the other part yet. And on January 1st, 2020, Libby joined our home. Elizabeth is her name for full, and we adopted a baby girl. You know why she adopted, or we adopted her, and that she joined our family? Because Caitlin never stopped praying. I know it. In my heart of hearts, I know it. And that whole journey from start to finish was probably nine years. And for whatever reason in her heart, she just said, I can't do this until you sign off on it because I just can't. I need you to be, in, I need you to be involved. And God reached down into a heart and in a moment and said, you will do this. And by the way, here's another little nickel's worth of free advice that's a side note and not a part of this message. If he does that to you, you can put it off for as long as you want, but it's going to happen. And maybe there are some of you sitting in this room today or watching online today that know you're supposed to do something and you're not doing it. Trust me, it will happen. The question is, how hard do you want to kick and scream to get there? Because I know when I first heard it, I started kicking and screaming and I said, God, you are nuts. theres I'm not doing this. And here I am with probably the sweetest little girl on planet earth a couple years later. What's the practical? In your life, what's the one thing that you've been praying for? What's the one thing that you know that you've been praying about that you won't give up on, that you're so concerned about that keeps you up at night? What is it? What's the thing that you've been praying for? I don't know, but you do. Keep praying. Look for those answers in it. Maybe it's not right. Maybe it is right. It's just going to take a little more time. When you pray, don't give up. God does not work on our timetable. It may be something that's answered for you, but it's just not right now. Maybe it's just timing. What does that look like for you? And then lastly, Man, this is just such, such a simple word. And then lastly, just pray, man. Just pray. Prayer's not as complicated as we've made it to be. And by the way, when you pray, it might not always go your way. In fact, it rarely goes your way. When you want it to go your way, it's okay. Keep praying. Do it anyway, do it regardless, because through that prayer life, through that journey, you're building relationship with a father who loves you unconditionally, and your life will be changed and different because of it. When it doesn't go your way, when you don't get what you want, do it regardless, and watch your life and your relationship with God change. That old guy who went to his buddy's house in the middle of the night looking for three loaves of bread, really had nothing to do with bread, did it? It had everything to do with us praying to a God who loves us so much and not giving up over and over and over again. Let me pray for us. Father, because of who you are, we're just humbled this morning that you would take a moment out wherever and whenever you are watching over us to hear our prayer, that you love us so much. God, there are things going on in this room that only you know about. And I just pray that you would lead people to have conversations and dialogue with those who might need to know. They might need someone else to know. That's how important it is. They might need someone else to pray alongside them. So God, if that's true in this room today, would you lead people to have that conversation? And God, we wanna pray and just lay everything at your feet without ceasing because we love you. Help us to do that. Help us to follow after you. Surround us, God, we pray today. In Jesus' name, amen.